So what do you gather from that? Battered old felt. You know my methods. What do you yourself gather as to the individuality of the man who has worn this particular article? It was accompanied by a goose, Watson. For Mrs. Henry Baker was printed upon a small card attached to the bird's left leg. Well, apart from the initials inside, H.B., presumably Henry Baker, I can see nothing. On the contrary, Watson, you can see everything. But you fail to reason from what you see. You are too timid in drawing your inferences. Then, pray, tell me what it is that you can infer from that hat. That the man is highly intellectual is, of course, obvious. And also that he was very well to do within the past three years, although now he has fallen upon evil days. He had foresight, but less now than formerly, pointing to a moral retrogression, which, when taken with a decline in his fortunes, seems to indicate an evil influence. Probably drink. This may account also for the fact that his wife has ceased to love him. My dear Holmes... He has, however, retained some degree of self-respect. Now, he leads a sedentary life. He's out of training entirely. He's middle-aged, has grizzled hair, which he's had cut within the last few days, and which he anoints with lime cream. It is also highly improbable that he has uh, gas laid on in his house. <laughs> well, yeah, well, now you are certainly joking. Not in the least. The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. (laughs) They must be destroyed on sight! only way to do this podcast is like halfway inebriated that's the that's the plan yeah i'm getting there but i'm more than halfway so you know between the two of us we're fine i really yeah that's why i'm a bad fit for this show because i don't drink really i barely drink at all it's not a prerequisite i mean having a having a pun name was but you 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 failed at that but uh but drinking no that's 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 optional that's definitely optional well, what what happens is you come in and school us. Um, you know, so. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you come in and Fuck tell us like <laughs> that we're shit. So it's fine. You, know. you are the articulate version of our YouTube commenters who come in and tell us everything <laughs> we're doing wrong. Our YouTube yeah. commenters don't even tell us what we're doing wrong. They just tell us we should be providing them the movie. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if I was one of your, if I was one of them, I'd just sit here going, "When's the bloody movie going to start?" Mm-hmm. 
you assholes. Where's this blue carburetor anyway? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, welcome, one and all, to that uh, cold open to uh, They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 187. 187. Yeah. 187. We should have done the Sam Jackson movie for 187. Oh, God. Uh, I think I vaguely remember watching that film at one point. I, I don't know if the movie is necessarily good. It's Dangerous Minds, but with Samuel L. Jackson. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was like it was like that real that big time period where Samuel L. Jackson was so fucking popular that they just stuck him in anything and it would sell. It predates that. It's the after Pulp Fiction, <laughs> but before he became like completely ubiquitous. You know. So. Oh. You know, it was in that period where he was doing like very serious acting, and uh, but in bigger budget things, you know. So, yeah, center. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I'm leaving. But we're not going to be talking about any of that today. It's going to be fine. no. It's going to be fine. <sighs> there are no murders at all in what we're talking about today. No, not at all. No, uh, there aren't. Well, well, sort of. Yeah, sort of. There, there's this history that's hinted at in the opening credits, but other than that. So I'm Lee, doing business with an alias, Russell, uh, joined by my co-host, Daniel. We shall turn dinner into supper, Harper. And we are That's joined... a very southern thing, honestly. So I, I loved that moment just because, like, as a man from the American South, uh, yeah, I felt that. I have to admit, when I read that line, I was just thinking again back to Carl Weathers. <laughs> I, I, you gotta, I, gotta get the stew on. Gotta, gotta get, get the stew, stew on. Yeah. <laughs> gotta get the stew on. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we're happy to be joined again by our friend Jack, back to life and flapped off through the kitchen window. Graham, how are you doing, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, no, no problems at all. Everything, everything's perfect. Everything's yeah. fine. Boris Johnson is going to continue to be prime minister. That's right. Yeah. 2024 or something. So. Hooray. Uh, you're, you, you've and won the recent war it? against uh, Oceana. And, uh... <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah ignorance is strength. War mm-hmm. is peace. And uh, yeah, rule Britannia. Yeah. Airstrip one. This is going to be the best Christmas ever. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, we're going to be uh, doing some more Sherlock Holmes. We're doing the Christmas episode of Sherlock Holmes, which is the Blue Carbuncle, uh, the Jeremy Brett, of course. But before that, we do have some stuff to get through here. I'll briefly mention that uh, I'm on the latest episode of Cinema Beef with Gary Hill. Uh, our friend Gary Hill has been on this show before. Uh, and we did an episode on a couple of movies featuring Michael J. Pollard, uh, Little Little Floss and Big Halsey from uh, 1970-ish, if I seem to recall correctly, which is Michael J. Pollard and Robert Redford trying to uh, grime up his pretty boy all-American image by being a total fucking scumbag. Excellent, excellent fucking movie, by the way. First time I saw it. So uh, The real question is, does Robert Redford fuck? He does. does he fuck on camera? Um, there's no on-camera sex in it. There's just the aftermath. But uh... I just want to see like Robert Redford with like hobo beard and like stringy <laughs> hair. He doesn't have that. He's a pre- He actually looks just like Cliff Booth in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can kind of see where 
Quentin was probably pulling from with his uh, with Brad Pitt there uh, because he right down to the like it, it, it's a it's a movie that's about uh, dirt bike racing and they're mm-hmm. going through like the local regional circuits and they're trying to make it to the big one and Robert Redford is this scumbag narcissist womanizer who has talent but squanders it and never gets the big uh, gets the big wins but he sleeps with all the hot chicks who show up to these uh, events and he's got scars all over him and shit. And he's got this one big scar right, right up his back where he broke his spine and it was either an accident or in the war. Uh, I can't remember if it's too clear on that, but you, you can tell it was like, yeah, Quentin Tarantino seen this movie. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it sounds, you know. Uh, yeah, it sounds subtle, uh, subtle filmmaking. Actually, it's, it's actually fairly subtle. It's it's a nice seventies character piece. It's you know yeah. it's more about the relationship between the two leads. And I mean, if you if you know who Michael J. Pollard is, he's a total like foil and opposite of Redford in about every goddamn way, for, right from physically to uh, uh, you know psychologically. So uh, it, it was actually really good. Pollard is um, he's in Bonnie and Clyde, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I know the guy. Yeah, no, he's good. You're talking about Robert Redford fucking. I I always remember. Um, have you seen a movie called? I think it's called Five Days of the Condor. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, um, based like he's some sort of spy who's out in the cold in that, and um, uh, yeah, he learns a secret or something, and then he yeah. goes on the run. The thing I always remember about that is that he's sort of hiding out with this woman that he meets up with. I think it's played by um, Faye Dunaway. And at one point he just kind of says, yeah, I'm going to have sex with you now because I need to relax. And then he just does. He just sort of informs her that he's going to basically he just rapes her. He does it very politely, but yeah, I I always remember that. He's he's unambiguously the good guy in that film as well. And then there's just this book where he says, right. Yeah. I I need to fuck you now. It was the seventies. Yeah. Nobody knew what rape was in the seventies. No. Uh, Rape only happens when uh, African-American people, uh, yeah, I was I was going to say yeah, right? that's yeah. the only way that rape happens. Um, yeah, the most the most I remember for that movie, I did I did like the movie, but uh, the most I remember from it is uh, uh, Max von Sydow is uh, is the, like the the assassin hired to kill him. He's following him around and shit. So uh, yeah, yeah, I I don't remember that at all. I remember Robert Redford politely informing Faye Dunaway that he's going to rape her, but mm. I don't remember anything else. <laughs> I mean, the fact that that's what you remember um, probably uh, speaks more to you, Jack. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's very telling, doesn't it? Why that we should uh, have a conversation off mic? Uh, <laughs> you against rape or something? God, <laughs> you um, think rape is bad? Yeah. This is the internet, my friend. <laughs> it's it's funny because I would have seen it when I was quite young. It, I think it was on BBC Two late at night as part of a a, a series called uh, Movie Drome or something, where they used to show. On you know, little known or or forgotten or cult movies late night, and um, I remember it sort of. I remember because I wasn't I I wasn't um, clued up back then on these things when I was a young man when I was in my early twenties or whatever. I would look back on uh, Jack at that age and uh, be very annoyed with him about all sorts of things. But I remember even at the time I was sort of sat there with my mouth wide open, going, "What the fuck is happening here?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know, my penis, it just uh, does it. it and yeah, I just need you're to. You're here, and yeah. therefore, I'm going to be polite about it. But ultimately, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I'm an all-American patriot here who's being hunted unfairly by his by sinister elements of his government. I need a vagina. Like, yeah. 
you just you need to you need to give that up. And in future films, in, in later films, they realized this is bad. And mm. uh, ultimately what they did was just to make sure that this was uh, sold, uh, the woman just, uh, you know, automatically consents, you know, and approaches the Robert Redford character yeah. in future films, you know. Or you get, like, uh, True Lies with um, Bill Paxton gaslighting uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should uh, probably move on. It's probably yeah. time to move on. We we we've mined this for uh, every <laughs> every bit of content that is not like overtly joking about rape, which we uh, have probably avoided, but um, maybe not. So uh, enjoy. We're all canceled. I don't think I've joked about rape. I think I've joked about the way it's been treated in a film. Oh, but I, if it. yeah, if I have joked about rape, that was an accident, and I apologize. So let's move to the comments. I'm sure there's nothing uh, that feels like rape from these YouTube comments once I get to them. David Wilt says, uh, he's given us a couple more recommendations. David Wilt, one of our newest uh, members on the Facebook group, has been just commenting like up a storm all over the place. Uh, He thinks we care what he has to say. (laughs) Congratulations, David. We like you. Thumbs up. Welcome to the... Keep, Keep posting. Just keep posting. We will read and uh, never ever respond. It's gonna be fine, <laughs> except when when we mercilessly mock you on the yeah. show. Oh, no, on the show, it's fine, but we'll never do anything that you actually say, and we will completely uh, diminish any any commentary that you have. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. This uh, is the guy. This is the guy who said we should watch Tomcats, right? Yeah, like, he's improved yeah, with these two suggestions. He, he really wants us to watch Tomcats, and uh, I. I don't know that's going to work out well for him. Anyway, continue. Tomcats, is that that new CGI musical thing? With Even even worse, it's the Shannon Elizabeth... uh, uh, Sex comedy. Sex comedy from 2001. Like, why is there a sex comedy in 2001? Uh, Anyway, we should continue. We should continue. Yeah, so we're never uh, going to get to Sherlock this at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the two. This movies. is a Christmas episode. We Yay, won't... opening the present of us all not yeah. caring about anything that we have. To <laughs> we won't need to talk about it long. It's only it's a forty five episode a minute episode of TV. You know, we we, yeah. we need I have, padding. I, I have. <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, please continue. Please continue. Okay, so David Wilt says we should watch these two movies: uh, A Trip to the Moon from 1902, which. Definitely sounds like yeah. Yeah, uh, in. yeah, sure. Yeah, and Batman from 1966. Yeah, the the Adam West Batman movie. <laughs> I'm down for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, I actually, yeah. Those will be separated by about a year, probably. But... Probably, yeah. You should do those uh, in the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like there's this sense of like, let's just make a big list of movies from. Over like over a century, and then just like randomize, you know, like uh, yeah, just. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let these fucking people on our Facebook group browbeat your initial premise into into some sort of bastardized version of it, Daniel. We're gonna we're gonna yeah, stick with this decade. We're gonna do decade. we're gonna do all black and white films for all of next year. And everybody's <laughs> gonna hate us. It's set for so, the hardcore movie nerds. We're gonna go. How do you even do? Like, why do you? How can you do this, my friends? Like this is the thing that mm. I wish I could do, and it's like, yeah, nobody pays this, so it's fine. <laughs> For six months of twenty twenty, you're going to do nothing but talk about silent black and white movies. 
I would love to do that, honestly. <laughs> I if we could get enough films like submitted to that, I would do a whole year of silent film. Nineteen hundred to nineteen twenty-seven. Let's just do a whole year of that. I think just I think so you'd start to miss Anne Margaret. Just to complete, and we'll just yeah. throw in Anne Margaret every now and then, a Sherlock Holmes every now and then, just to for change of pace. But uh, I would love to alienate our complete audience. Like just <laughs> make, <you> know, <laughs> We'll find out who the real fucking fans are. Real quick. <laughs> we will find the silent movie Twitter. will find us, and we will get ten times the audience from you know. People like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, look at these nerds. God they damn. Greed. They did three episodes on greed. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love the I love the concept silent movie Twitter. I think. That... <laughs> I'm plugged into silent movie Twitter. Honestly. I love I love the concept of this silent fucking Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Title uh, cards are 140 characters at a time. That's how that works. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 I didn't expect that one. I just um, imagine. I just imagine, like you know, like a birth of a nation or whatever. It's like, <laughs> like when they put up the title card. It's not in title card. It's in tweet format. <laughs> You know, I've just I've just remembered that we have a, a wrong with authority episode about Birth of a Nation that probably nobody's ever going to hear. <laughs> I'm never going to finish that. I'm never going to like oh. technical issues overwhelmed that. I'm never going to finish editing that. So, you know, like, well, then maybe we have to do it. Um, oh God, Jeff Williams says recommendation of the week: The Saddest from 1963. A great low-budget crime film that presaged the psycho-killer lovers on a train subgenre by a decade. Uh, Erstas teen idol Arch Hall Jr. was way over the top, but surprisingly effective as the menacing lead. And Marilyn Manning is also quite good as his mentally challenged girlfriend. I watched this film right after the camp classic. Uh, yeah, you know that one. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's the one with um, the guy who played Jaws. In the James Bond films, where he's he's playing like a caveman, it's an old fifties B movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Keel. Yeah, Richard Keel. Yeah, uh, which also stars Hall and Manning. Uh, and my head just about exploded from the difference in quality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, isn't exactly a great film. Um, Good title. That. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, honestly, I, I bet that attracted a lot of people to the drive-in. Uh, I bet it did. Yeah. Uh, now we have some YouTube comments. Get ready for this, guys. Um, I'm excited. I'm hope. I'm, I have, yeah. I have really high hopes. I, have really I high hope these hopes. are classic well, YouTube comments. These are these are, these are going to be like really intelligent, insightful people having really great, uh, challenging concept uh, comments that are going to make us rethink our perspectives on these films. That's 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 the standard for YouTube comments. On our rundown episode, (laughs) Jakob Kuzuma, who I get the feeling is from uh, Indonesia, because I was looking this word up, and the best I could get is it means Javanese for shit. Mm -hmm. And he says, basically, gissing with an N on the... I don't know if the N's pronounced or not. I couldn't actually find a pronunciation for it, but I'm glad it's not another N-word that I was thinking he, he might have been saying. <laughs> so, there you go. He, he, I mean, he, it is a YouTube comment, so... Yeah. yeah. So, he, he basically just called our episode shit. 
Maybe he's talking about the movie. Like I, I I'm, I'm, prefer- or maybe he's like metatextually referring to his own comment. Like Could, he's saying maybe, shit. Maybe he's maybe he's referring to the Victorian author George Gissing. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps he's Listen, way over our head with this one. I, yeah, no, it's it's entirely. I mean, you know, not to say that we're not like super brain geniuses, but there are things we don't know, so it is entirely possible. Uh, there, there are some things that are the realm of rocket surgery that I don't know. So, um, yeah. there you go. On our Foxy Brown Coffee episode, we have two comments. I was debating which one to read first. I guess I'll go with the good one first. Someone called Clean Clean says, "What a comment section." <laughs> <laughs> wow someone, that's meta yeah so no, someone came in and observed the wreckage that is that comment section that is like man <laughs> yeah i'm done with that i'm done with that what a comment what a what a comment section yeah no i you 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 came in you could have commented on the actual episode, then you saw the comments and went like, "This is a bunch of bullshit," and decided mm. to comment on that instead. Even which by is encouraging us, so like, yes, yeah, yeah. You, Even by YouTube standards, this is a comment section worth commenting on. <laughs> <laughs> and here we have Mark Montgomery, and I'm saying this guy's fucking name and handle because I I encourage people to go after him because this is what he said. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) we can make this happen by the way and you know this this isn't I don't necessarily even take this as an insult but it's definitely intended as one he says you guys are a couple of faggots how did did he know first off well (laughs) yeah I was going to say you know guys it is time you you, you told us all the truth yeah Uh, not the first or last time I've been called that and, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> Welcome to the internet, 1996. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, as I was going to say, you've been on the internet for two minutes and expressed an opinion. Um, yeah, uh, fuck you, you homophobic piece of shit. Yeah, Go fuck exactly. Yourself. Santa's going to bring you a piece of coal this year. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is, like, I'm going to rain antifa on your head. Like, that's that's where it, you know. Like, yeah. I'm going to find. We're going to find you. It's going to be fine. We got people. We got people. We're going to dox your shit. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Montgomery. That's how this works, right? You know. So that's all for comments. I have one thing to mention that I watched uh, recently. I assume you guys still don't have anything you watched recently. I'll watch things. Okay. No, I, I do actually. Uh, since before, since you asked me, I, I went and watched something. Oh, okay. I'm joking. I haven't really. Well, I mean, you could have. The the preamble is taking that long. Yeah, the amount of time it's taken. I understand there is a new one of those Stars Wars movies out. I, I find it difficult to express the lack of fucks that I give about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, spoilers for everyone out there. I, I was really, really surprised to find out that uh, Yoda was the father of Rey all this time. Uh, it's just... <laughs> That no, would be I'm... way more interesting than anything that I think is actually going to happen. In this yeah, I, I don't I mean, care. It's J.J. Abrams, and um, I'll admit, I watched The Force Awakens once, and I was drunk, and I have very little memory, but nothing that anyone has ever said about it has made me think that I lost anything from that process. So I rewatched Rogue One the other day, and I'm like, yeah, this is the Star Wars I want. You know, I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. I didn't mention on the show, but like that's the that's the actually good uh, Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see uh, Ryan Johnson make uh, one of those. That was exactly. Yeah, get out of this 
Skywalker bullshit and just make some aside piece, you know? Well, I recently rewatched Last Jedi, and I've uh-huh. come to the conclusion that it's not actually a good film. I don't think it's good. I thought it was good when it came out, um, and I, I think... I think a lot of the people who say it's bad are, are, ba- are bad people who are, who are bad, and they say it's bad for wrong reasons, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a good film. And it just left me completely uninterested in the next one, which I hear is, is you know, sort of the only good things in Last Jedi, I hear r- the next one, Skywalk or whatever it's called, is going back on them. So I'm just not interested. Yeah. So there you go. But yeah, no, uh, Rogue One's fucking brilliant. That's the best one ever. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it even more as this time watching it i'm just like my god why is here's actually people trying to do something with this material and make it interesting and somewhat deep for star wars at least you know yeah come on jesus christ i mean uh, it has its problems let's not let's not pretend it doesn't no it doesn't but i mean still like by far the best uh star wars mm-hmm. um i do uh, quite like i i did rewatch the last jedi and uh like uh, i feel like the the first hour uh meanders a bit it, it's sort of like, but like the last hour, uh, there's some stuff in that that just, uh, you know, like heartbreaking stuff in, in, in that film. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So what, what I did watch was uh, Dr. Sleep. <laughs> if, if you go into this thinking this is like an actual direct sequel to Kubrick's The Shining, you're going to be extremely disappointed and you're just going <laughs> to probably hate it, right? And is I it, did not. That, isn't that one of the uh, spinoffs to the MCU? Like Doctor Strange's brother or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) I love when I make a joke that just doesn't work at all, and Lee just goes, "Eh, whatever." (laughs) Yeah, Lee treats it with the contempt it deserves. (laughs) This is why this podcast works. This is how we've gotten through 186 episodes. I so do kind I, of sense the beginnings of a Stephen King cinematic universe, don't you? There's kind yeah. of twitches in that area now that they've made Doctor Sleep and they've positioned it, at least in the trailers, as very much a sequel to the old movie rather than, you know, an adaptation of the book. Because the the book is a sequel to Kubrick, um, uh, King's book, yeah. and that's very different from Kubrick's film. And one I haven't seen Doctor Sleep, but the trailers make it look like they're very much making it a sequel to Kubrick's movie. Yeah. And then you have this. They there's a TV show called Castle Rock, mm-hmm. and then you have the this crop of um, Stephen King adaptations in the wake of it being successful. I can see it drifting in the in the direction of an uh, of a Stephen King. Uh, cinematic universe i can see that happening uh castle rock certainly is going that direction um i mean the two seasons are just sort of tangentially connected very very much on the down low like they're definitely separate stories but there are subtle connections it's much like stephen king's actual work before he started really getting heavy into the dark tower stuff where he was like really trying to connect all this shit which Mm. is you know little mentions here and there like oh yeah there's that town dairy just across the way that this this, some weird shit happened and it's briefly mentioned in another book or something right dr sleep is definitely not a direct sequel to kubrick's shining it's it's not the same movie at all it's it's very much just an homage and kind of like a fan sort of like boner for that film in a lot of ways (laughs) mike flanagan I, i think the marketing is kind of unfortunate but they were kind of put in a corner when they were deciding to do this. It's like, if, if you're going to mention Dr. Sleep, people are going to hear it's a sequel to the shining. You gotta kind of have to 
push your marketing on those elements, I guess. And mm-hmm. for what it's worth, Flanagan does not try to be Kubrick. He does not try to live up to that movie at all. Um, he just pays homage to it in nice little ways that are fun. They're not, they don't feel cynical or forced or pretentious or anything like that. As far as I'm concerned anyway. And honestly, the movie didn't do very well in theaters and it's very unfortunate. I think it's one of the best horror movies of this year. It's better than the book. Uh, I read the book and the stuff Flanagan does with the villains in this book makes them pop, pop off the page in a way that King could not write them. So I appreciate that. I, honestly, it's it's kind of the same tale with Kubrick taking The Shining and, and making his own, his own thing. Uh, Flanagan makes Dr. Sleep his own thing in certain ways, although he sticks much more closer to the source material, but he makes it better. I liked it a lot. I just get a nice little, you know, warm feeling seeing these little homages and stuff to the original. And they they got some really good actors to, like, play flashback roles from The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get like a, a really good fucking Jack Nicholson and a, a real good Shelley Duvall and a really fucking good Scatman Crothers uh, sort of stand in because he actually plays a part in Dr. Sleep anyway. So he's, uh, he's a, he's a minor character in that. Yeah. I wondered about that. Cause of course in one of, one of the changes Kubrick makes is that he kills Dick Halloran, mm-hmm. whereas Dick Halloran survives and is, you know, he, he he's instrumental to rescuing them in the book, and then he's yeah. he's as you say, he's a character in Doctor Sleep. I wondered how they were gonna how they were gonna finesse that. Yeah, so it's, it's directly it's directly the sequel to Stephen King's book, uh, and it's directly uh, an ad- adaptation of that sequel. But it uses a lot of the aesthetics and trappings of The Shining. Uh, you you get the fucking score moments all the time, like just that great score from The Shining. And um, you get the you get all the ghosts, all the key ghosts from the Kubrick film, and it's fucking great. It's actually really, really fucking great. I loved it a lot. Oh, well, I will see it at some point. So yeah, yeah, it's got Ewan McGregor. Just you know, he, he kind of you know, he's actually a really good actor when you get get away from like the big sort of populist stuff he does, where it's just like he's in everyone's face. So here's the question. Does he speak into a lady's razor as if it's a communicator? Because those are the only Ewan McGregor films I will see. <laughs> he uses a chalkboard to uh, speak to another girl with the uh, shine. <laughs> is, is that enough for Close you? enough. Yeah. yeah. Does speak to mean manipulate? Uh, no, okay, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We should just move on. We just <laughs> no, but it's actually a lot worth. It's very much worth seeing. Uh, people who were hesitant to see it should should check it out. It should have done way better in the theater than it did. So uh, hmm. there's a lot of potential in in the basic idea in in the book. So yeah, I'd be interested to see if um, once you once you clear out because of course one of the <laughs> one of the problems with King is that he's obsessed with certain things. So he spends an in, in incredible amount of time doing the you know, um, recovering from addiction thing in that book and yeah. for the nth time, you know, and I hope the film doesn't dwell on that as much as he does. I realize that's a big and meaningful issue for Stephen King and I'm not, I'm not downplaying that or mocking that at all, but yeah, by, by the, you know, you, it is a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a wade in the book. I'm afraid. Yeah. I mean, it's Dr. really important that you deal with uh, the nature of addiction as a way of um, uh, understanding 
uh, how to do or critique art. He said, uh, drinking his 14.7%. Uh, uh, <laughs> 7% solution. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Sleep is about alcoholism because Danny Torrance becomes an alcoholic in the wake of the shit that happened to him at the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. But he's a recovered alcoholic at this point. It, it's it's more about his personal demons. I mean, there's still the metaphor still there and everything, but um, it's, it's the ghosts from the overlook follow him out of the overlook, you know, and he, he learns to deal with them, but then he, he runs into this young girl who has a much more powerful uh, shine than he does. And he sort of becomes her mentor is this the manic pixie dream girl natalie portman character no no, no, so no it's no. a little kid yeah it's she's kid. she's what well, she's like 11 or Sorry, something i'm just envisioning she? this version in my in my head i apologize i have no <laughs> just just, just don't go just go just don't go into it expecting like the sort of deep layered kubrick stuff where it's like there's so many interpretations no this movie's very straightforward it's very much this is a horror movie this is what it's about it's got mm. really good actors. It's got really good performances. It's creepy as fucking places. The villains are super fucking creepy. And uh, just enjoy it on that. Go into it thinking of it on that level. Don't think it's, oh, it's Kubrick part two. And you should be good. Yeah. The thing I'll be most interested in to see is is how they, because there, there is a quite interesting political metaphor in, in the, um, the the book Doctor Sleep. So I'll be interesting to see what, if anything, they do with that. But yeah, okay. I'm 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 now I'm now more interested in actually seeing Doctor Sleep than I've ever been before. So thanks, Lee. Huh. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, play some podcast promos, a little bit of music, and we're going to come back with the Blue Carbuncle. I like to think that the sequel to The Shining is Twilight. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. You're not letting that just, get away. Just based on just based on thematic uh, title, title, you know. Fucking asshole. Okay, the blue carbuncle. Do right? a, a, a prequel called the polishing. <laughs> <laughs> the polishing, the shining twilight. <laughs> You're both assholes. Um, <laughs> You ungodly warlock. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, your majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, your majesty. Will you destroy this earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail, Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. 
You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric boogaloo? Samurai cop? Army of darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. You ungodly warlock. Carbuncle from 1984, directed by David Carson, who is probably better known for directing Star Trek Generations from 1994. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Which is also very Christmassy. It is. That's a Christmas movie. There's loads of Christmas in Star Trek Generations. Mm, There is, yeah. Uh, Written by John Hawksworth, Paul Finney, and Arthur Conan Doyle, of course. Uh, Jeremy Brett is Sherlock Holmes. David Burke is Dr. Watson. Rosalind Knight as Countless Morcar. Ross Simmons as Catherine Cusack. Ken Campbell as James Ryder. Desmond McNamara as John Horner. Amelia Brown as Janice Horner. Brian Miller as Inspector Bradstreet. And Rosalie Williams as Miss Hudson. And we have a synopsis on IMDb from Gary KMCD. And he says, on Christmas Eve, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson try to determine how a fabulous blue carbuncle found its way down the gullet of a goose. It all starts that morning when the commissioner, who lives across the way, asks Holmes advice. On his way home, he came across a group of ruffians taking advantage of an elderly gentleman. His uniform scared them all off with the elderly gentleman leaving behind the goose. 
Holmes suggests that he simply keep it, but he is soon back with the precious stone. Newspaper reporters have reported the theft of the unique blue stone from a local hotel, but Holmes can't resist solving a mystery of how it got to its final destination. Yeah, that's kind of it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll just get into it here. Uh, Jack, what are your sort of general thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, this is this is um, not one of my all absolute favorites from the, the Brett TV show, but this is a really nice one. Um, it's definitely top tier, I think, mm. even though it's one of the, it's one of the lighter ones. It's one of the more comedic ones, although there are some, there are some very serious moments in it. Yeah. It's really nice. It's a, it's a good fun Christmas watch. You know, you could make this into one of your annual things to put on at Christmas if you wanted to. And it's very, very Christmassy. You've got like Christmas carols in the music and Christmas trees everywhere. And, yeah, it's yeah. very Christmas themed. If only and there it's... was a Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> Are you done? Can I can I continue? <laughs> <Yeah>. um... <laughs> Do you know how I get how this works at this point, Jack? Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's uh, got the fantastic Ken Campbell as the quote unquote villain. He's barely a villain, and it's it's one of like Conan Doyle kind of writes. He's got like five stories that he tells over and over again. And one of them is the valuable thing hidden inside ordinary thing story. You know, obviously, you know, why is somebody smashing statues of Napoleon? It's because there's a pearl inside them. Um, in this case, it's well, it's kind of the other way around, isn't it? They, they don't nobody's they don't find out anybody's looking for the goose until after they find out that it had the the stolen gem in it. But it's still the same thing. It's the uh, it's the valuable thing inside the normal thing story for the for the nth time, but it's one of the best ones. And I love the beginning with Holmes sort of sleeping in and obviously hung over and swearing yeah. at Mrs. Hudson when she tries to wake him up and falling asleep in his nightgown when he's when he's talking to the, the commissioner. And yeah, it's it's um it's great. I love it. Yeah, uh Daniel. Yeah, this feels very much like a very comfy bit of uh, you know, episodic TV to me. You know, it feels like an episode of Psych or or kind of whatever. Like, uh, and that's that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, I, I I mean, I literally don't mean that as an insult. I mean that is like you know, like uh, these kinds of shows just sort of took this format and turned it into 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 a thing. Um, mm. I love the goose physics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's something about just kind of watching people carrying geese around and yeah. then watching them like manipulate the necks and then they fall that just sort of like, I don't know. It was very um, cathartic in a, in a weird way watching this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're strange, man. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, because I was kind of expecting like, uh, you know, oh, okay, we're going to do a TV uh, episode, uh, like kind of a TV movie episode, whatever uh, about, uh, we're going to have geese around like these are going to be like fake geese. And then they just feel like, Hey, yeah, no, no, I, I buy that a gooseneck kind of works that way. It looks like realistic physics. And uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate, I appreciate that angle. I, um, I've no idea how plausible it is that somebody could force feed a goose, a, a gigantic gemstone. Yeah. I, I don't know about that, but you know, like <laughs> a lot of things in Conan Doyle stories, you just have to go, Okay, all right, fine. That, that feels like he'd lose a finger or two. Yeah. To do that. 
Yeah. Or just kill the goose there and there. Yeah. like there's like there's one of these and it's one of the best stories, the speckled band. Like part of it hinges on a guy uh, luring a snake around the place by whistling to it and offering it a saucer of milk. And you just have to go, Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I mean I mean when you think about it, what he could have easily done is he could have broke the goose's neck. Well actually he didn't even need to well he well, why did he Yeah, it. exactly. Why did he okay. need to put it? Yeah, there's just, it's all contrived. Um, but so, so I've decided say, this needs to go into a goose for just whatever for some, reason. Yeah, and I, you can say sexual fetish. I, I mean, I'm not going to say sexual fetish. Uh, just because uh, my my plan definitely requires me to shove my hand down a goose's throat. There's nothing weird about this. It's entirely logical that I have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he's a character who's presented as having, like, little nerve, but, I mean, I wouldn't stick my goddamn fingers down a goose's throat. I wouldn't go anywhere would... near a goose. Mm-hmm. For, I mean, let, let alone that many. Fuck have you ever, that. Have you ever confronted a goose in real life? Geese are fucking horrible. They They're are nasty bastards. little dinosaur fuckers. Yeah. These, these are terrifying creatures. Mm. Um, I like to think about, have you seen Short Circuit 2? Tells. <laughs> At the end of Short Circuit 2, like the, the they steal a bunch of diamonds, like the bad guys, they steal a bunch of diamonds. And then they have to like store the jewels in something to like get them through customs. And one of the guys, he just buys a bunch of like toy dinosaurs. Um, and then they have to like stick the jewels down the like uh, mouths of the toy dinosaurs. And I kind of think and think of this this way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and literally there's a moment where you know one of the guys goes, "Did you have to get dinosaurs?" It's like that's all they had, and so I just kind of imagine <laughs> this being a sort of similar situation. Yeah. Of like, well, all we had was a dead goose. What are you gonna? What do you? What do you want? Yeah. But no, yeah. I think I think you can kind of paper over the the ridiculousness of the plot by pointing out that it is you know canonically the fact that this guy James Ryder the quote unquote villain of the story is a fucking idiot i mean yeah. that, that is part of the point of the story right right yeah but he still has that maid who loves him you know <laughs> cuz there's uh well there's I, someone I, for everyone lee they say yeah, i guess i guess there that, is that, uh, that, that's what they say i i like the opening of this a lot um i like how it you know it's it's just got it's not your traditional sort of Jeremy Brett opening. You know, it's got the blue carbuncle and then it's got superimposed the history, the sordid history of it, where mm. all the violence that has happened around this gym, uh, you, you get a couple oh, the, of murders yeah. and stuff. This, and is like, a, this is another Conan Doyle thing. He does that several times and it gets trans, it gets transmitted into the, the entire sort of, English detective stories, you know, Agatha Christie does this. Oh, the the gem with a with a, a history of bloodshed thing. She does that a couple of times. Yeah, but uh, but that's really good. And then we get a direct cut to uh, Countess Resting Bitch Face, who uh, fucking <laughs> she's great. She is so sour, man. Like she, yeah. it, like the her permanent look is like it, she she held her face that long, and that's what she looks like now. But I, I do love that. Her whole existence seems tied around this gym. Like she shows no emotion until she discovers that's gone. She's just fucking pissed and hysteric. And it's like, wow, your life is so empty that <laughs> this fucking gym is the only thing that is like connected to you in any sort of way that makes you remotely human. <laughs> and I, I just thought it was fucking uh, a nice little subtle moment that they did here. 
it's um, good isn't it yeah yeah it's it's another example of the one of you know the, the great thing about this show this series is that it does it, it stays close to the original text but then it will it will read it against the grain sometimes and it will put stuff in that will recontextualize it like i don't think there's much in the original story about her at all she's just mentioned as having lost the jewel and and offered a reward and so on and, and this yep. stuff that they put in it's fleshing out stuff that's just referred to in in the story and it's it, yeah they choose to make her this very very psychologically weird person who is as you say she's completely uninterested and 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 pathologically selfish and she just doesn't give a shit about anything until this jewel disappears and she just flips her fucking lid it's one of, it's one of those it's one of those story tropes i think where you know like the idea of the villain desires this thing and once they get it, it defines them, and like it, it weighs on their shoulders. Like the history, the, the violence, the death surrounding this thing, kind of weighs on their shoulders, and they live with it. But they're like damaged because of that. It's both something they need in their life, but it also puts this dark shadow over their lives as well. Like it, it yeah. corrupts them to some degree, and it, it feels like she's kind of like that character. Like if this was like a fantasy movie or something, like that, Jim. She's she well, got it, ultimate power, but it's corrupted her kind of thing. There's a weird tonal thing in this because they lay so much stress on the fact that the gem has caused all these deaths. Mm. You know, there's like somebody's had vitriol thrown in their face and there's been people have been stabbed and stuff for this. Like, you know, the gem is soaked in blood. It's got a blood stained history. They put they really lay that on with the trowel. And then in the story that they actually tell, nobody dies. There's no violence mm. at all, except to the goose, of course. And the old the old git going home who gets waylaid by the drunken guys. There's no but, but, there's no murder in this. Just just yeah, here- once, Jack, everybody lives. Yeah, but here's here's yeah. the thing. Holmes knows the history of it. He makes a point of, I can't let anyone get a hold of this thing again. And he, yeah. you know, he, he takes it for himself. He decides, I'm going to take the burden of this thing. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take yeah, it out of... Another, that's another I, weird I, thing, I, isn't it? What I happens think, to it? Does he just keep it? And I, I yeah. think there's a... I think there's a <laughs> there's a reading here where what he does is he decides the, the thing is cursed. And so, outside of what we see, there's there's a gambit where he figures out where it is and then steals it and replaces it with a lookalike and then he keeps the thing and then goes through the motions of like oh now there's the thing oh, i found it congratulations and nobody dies but the reason nobody dies is because he actually uh, took the cursed thing and like put it in his own uh you know well he's got this thing that i i i, I forever now dub his drawer of failings because he's got this drawer that he pulls out <laughs> That he puts the carbuncle in and locks away. And in that drawer is his needle yeah. uh, for, for, his, for his addiction and a picture of Irene Adler. Yeah. It's so his it's, fail drawer. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's, that's where he, you know, the, the, those are the things that are, you know, his human weaknesses that he's, he's, he's thrown in that drawer, you know, yeah. for some reason, you know. Um, I mean, at the end of this, he gets super fucking pissed and angry with himself for letting this little nebbish go who stole this thing in the first place. You know, he's really contemptuous of, of mm. Ryder as well, isn't he? He's yeah, he's really fucking angry with this guy, and it's 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 a bit of a puzzle why because I mean I don't think Ryder would ever have done anything like this ever if it hadn't been for this uh, this woman Catherine Cusack who, mm-hmm. as he says, she puts him up to it, and it I mean you can. 
in the story, you can say, is he just making excuses? They come down very much, I think, on the side of saying that he's telling the truth in this adaptation because they show her manipulating him. Yeah. And I think that's the only reason that he that he does this. I think she just she just well is, is is it that it, it's a connection to Irene Adler where a, a woman manipulated Ryder and woman manipulated Holmes? I don't know, but it's it's not it's it's a bit unattractive, really, because it's almost like he reacts so strongly to Ryder because Ryder's weak, you know, yeah. and that's not that's not a very contempt for weakness is not a very attractive trait to react that strongly with that much fury to weakness, you know that that's a bit of a that's a bit of a dark side to Holmes there, or maybe yeah. or maybe it's just purely based on the fact that Ryder's actions put this other guy who's trying to go straight in jail. And, well, there's that, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, that's another thing. That's again, it's mentioned in the original story, but in this, they really lay that on with a trowel. They add loads of scenes between Horner and his and his wife and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then I mean, that's kind of like the uh, Charles Dickens kind of aspect of this, the, the sort of Christmas aspect. You know, you got you, you got the you got the man and woman. They got their their family and they're happy. They, they they might be poor, but they're happy at Christmas or whatever. You know, and. They're they're trying yeah. to make good in this life or whatever sort of the tiny Tim thing you know they're they, they well, count their blessings even if they're downtrodden kind of thing yeah and I love I love how I love what a bastard the the copper is I think that's great um, and I I love this this idea of the the genuine guy who's turned it around you know he used to be a burglar or whatever and he's he he has now just gone straight and he's now a locksmith I think that's brilliant he used to be like a, a you know a, a break and entry man and now he's a locksmith so he's turned his professional expertise straight I, I mean that's the I, government I imagine, hackers right I can imagine yeah. Uh, way more common than we'd like to uh, yeah <laughs> but then you know immediately you know it's just him and the the copper won't hear anything to the other to the other way and he's threatening him and he's behaving like an utter shit and um bradstreet actually gets recast later in the series and uh reimagined and he, he you see bradstreet as a much more decent sort of guy but in this yeah. he's a total bastard okay um, it wasn't lestrade yeah yeah, I don't think Lestrade would behave like that. Um, yeah. He certainly wouldn't. But I mean, he, this version of Bradstreet is really creeping around the Countess, isn't he? He's really concerned about what. I mean, she's basically telling him what to do. Yeah, and he's he's scared of her, which is which is brilliant. They bring out bring in some social commentary there. And the thing I love most about this is kind of this little social panorama you get at Christmas because you get Holmes, he talks to the, the guy at the market and then he goes and talks to the guy in the pub and you get Mr. Henry Baker, who's that's brilliant. That's the best bit of it. We, you get this lovely little portrait of this guy who's in this unhappy marriage and he's obviously disappointed in his career and is he's you know a bit down at heel and he's had to sell his books to afford a, a goose for Christmas and and he, his friendship with the the landlord at the pub and yep. yeah it, it, there's this wonderful little picture of society there at Christmas. That's that's what it's really about. The the sort of the crime plot is there as a framework for that. Daniel, don't you want to fucking just like sit in that goddamn little pub all Christmas Eve and just like drink I, his best beer and in, in, in a pint of whiskey on the side? I, I do. I, yeah. I honestly do. Yeah. No, <laughs> when I, whenever I see whenever I see a, like a pub and these kinds of things, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I just, I just want to go. I just want to go hang out. This this is one of the things that made me wish this was a little bit longer. Just and and so just so Holmes and Watson actually had the time. 
to sit there for five minutes and have their beer with the fucking landlord of the pub and and just hang out for a minute, you know, yeah. and enjoy themselves. <laughs> yeah, you never see that, do you? It'd be great if Conan Doyle would write a scene, you know, where Holmes and Watson just... Because it's referred to sometimes. They refer to them going to have dinner together or going to going to concerts together. Why not just have a story where you actually see that happening? You know, Holmes and Watson down the pub together. Because <laughs> you, you get other personal moments with them. Like, you, you get a scene here where Holmes is actually walking uh, Watson through a deduction and actually sort of as a teacher-student kind of idea where he's like, well, here, Watson, you've learned some deduction from me. What do you make of this hat? And mm. they, they sort of have uh, that yeah. little thing. The hat is classic. That's that's one of the great um, scenes in all in all the the Holmes canon of the Holmes deduces stuff from because there's several you know Conan Doyle again he does certain things over and over again and he does that scene over and over again but the hat is one of the all time greats and it's um it's 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 hilarious because it shows you on the one hand some of the the core of Holmes's method that actually works that does have some actual deductive validity and it also shows you some of the 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 bits of it that are complete bollocks like the fact that it's big (laughs) proving that the man's intellectual that is so perfectly outdated victorian you know craniology rubbish yeah 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 So, so, so it turns out there are several spots of wax which implies that uh he worked in a place that uh had wax and uh you know was dripping from the ceiling uh, etc. And uh, we can we can work that out. Also, uh, it's a big hat, <laughs> and you know what that means about big, people who have big hats. Yeah, big, yeah. big brain. Yeah, uh, but although they they make a joke of it here, though, like they they, they do, it, don't they? They're, yeah, they're they're making fun of phrenology here, and and it, it feels like and this was set up earlier in the episode too, where Holmes is a little jovial with with the inspector who comes in and stuff. He's, he's having a little fun. He's being a little, mm. you know, funny. He's being funny with Watson here too. He's, he puts the hat on. It's like, you know, big, big hat must yeah. be a big, tall, um, big brain. And when Holmes says that Watson does kind of go, you know, yeah. but then of course it turns out to, well, you can actually read it either way. You can read Mr. Henry Baker as an intellectual who failed to ever achieve anything for various reasons. Or you can read him as somebody with intellectual pretensions. So you can, yeah, it, you can you can read it either way. But I do love how I do I do love how relaxed Holmes is in this. I love this version of Holmes who sort of sleeps in till the middle of the day and has to be woken up by his housekeeper and tells her to piss off. And re- the first thing he does is reach across to get his fags, and then he's he's on very friendly terms with the local sort of doorman from down the road. I love this more um, down at heel bohemian version of the character. I think it's I think it's marvelous. <laughs> this is the most identifiable version of Holmes. Oh yeah, until noon, uh, you know. Hey, I gotta wake up. Okay, I gotta, I gotta go solve a crime, to make some money. All right, fine, fine. I'll, I'll make this happen. I mean, uh, oh yeah. All, all of a sudden, I feel like Sherlock Holmes is like, you know, wake up at noon. I, I'm not solving so many crimes so much as I'm just like editing a podcast tomorrow. But it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I do love that the hat like completely, uh, you know, bigger <laughs> bring, than brings it down and bends his ears. It's so big. Yeah, it's bigger. It's bigger than Holmes's head, and therefore it's like this man must be brilliant. He must be brilliant. <laughs> smarter than me, Watson. Smarter than me, clearly. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> he's that's just falling on hard times. He's a drunk, and he and he has no central heating, so that's his only problem. You know, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I'm glad. Uh, he, I'm glad you said it was wax on the hat because I was thinking of something else. 
I noticed the little spots on the hat the first time I saw the hat and just kind of went like, you know, you didn't have tissues. And now here, here's why the marriage is, is a little strained because he's in some weird clubs in Victorian era London, you know, where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Hat fetishists. Yeah. yeah. That's why he was so upset to lose it. Yeah, it turns out we went to certain clubs where they the, oh, demand the, that I wear early, a hat. It's the early Victorian version of the soggy biscuit. A bunch of men <laughs> in a circle jerk, and they're jerking on a fucking top, oh, on a fucking hat. There was there was nothing the Victorians didn't get up to. <laughs> they were they were depraved people. <laughs> <laughs> And this this doesn't go there, but this does show us a, a a glimpse of Victorian society a little bit more, you know, rough around the edges. And it's great. I, I love it. I love the market scene. And I got to say, all the performances in this are great. Like you have, there's one particular moment where um, the guy playing Bradstreet, the copper, I can't I can't remember the exact line of dialogue, but he says something, and then the countess demands, you know, she sort of demands something querulously, and he says yes, but he says it like. Um. Yes, like that, and it's really funny. And the guy playing the the market trader is hilarious as well. Yeah. And Jeremy Breton, uh, David Burke are on terrific form with Holmes doing the 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 bluffing him into giving up the information stuff. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just blissful fun. I love how Watson's just like he's he's barely paying attention to what's going on in that scene. So he's yeah. got to be like nodded into like you need to play along with me right now, motherfucker. Like. Yeah. <laughs> He, he sort of, at one point, he sort of goes, "Huh? What? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, strong Nigel Bruce vibes there." <laughs> I mean, he, he forgets about it at first, and then he forgets about it last too. Or basically, it's like he has to be prompted again into like collecting his fiver from Holmes for, for yeah. Luke and the Bat. Right? It's like, <laughs> no, this is this is fucking enjoyable. I liked it a lot. It was, you know. You give me a really fun story. It is a Christmas story. There is, you know, an underlying message about the holiday spirit, treating people kindly, keeping them in your best interests and thoughts and and the deeds and, you do kind of thing. And eating goose. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The, there's a lot of that in here and it's all subtly and sort of classly kind of done. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. I love it. Holmes doesn't exactly frame his his mercy towards Ryder as sort of, you know, showing the Christmas spirit, but that is, it, it, yeah, it does fit in thematically. Um, yeah, I mean, he might be just fighting against it too, because you know, Holmes rarely acts like a human being most of the time. Yeah, and it, it might be just you know his own personal inner struggle about who he is and who he thinks he is and stuff. Like he's just maybe kind of outwardly. Uh, every once in a while, he loses his cool and, and fights against it a little bit, and has an outburst. But he does he does say a good thing, which is kind of progressive for the time. You know, he says, um, you know, make, send him to jail now, and you make him a jailbird for life. And it's right. yeah, if, if yeah. you if you institutionalize this guy, who admittedly he did a he did a terrible thing, not so much the stealing of the jewel. I mean, fuck that. Who gives a fuck about that? But framing Horner, yeah. um, that that is a terrible thing. There's no doubt about that. But I think. Yeah, this is not a guy who would have done this, if only because he's weak and cowardly. But, you know, that's something. This is not a guy who would have done this under normal circumstances. And it's true. If you if you put him into the system now, it's just his life is over. You know, he's never going to get another chance ever. And I think that's that's pretty progressive for the time, as Conan Doyle could be sometimes. 
he could also be incredibly backward, of course. But yeah. sometimes he could he could he could be very. Um, it does raise one question, though. I mean, I don't know how they I don't know how they clear Horner. I've never known how they do that. It feels like it feels like Holmes has some sort of pull. <laughs> it like yeah. he, he pulls a Trump card, you know, out of his sleeve, and it's like you know. Well, it's like he just. If I just go down there and tell them, you know, they'll 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 say, "All right, then." Yeah, <laughs> you're you're, you're kind of like just, I guess, expected as the viewer to like just accept it. Holmes is brilliant. He just talks Horner out of there, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but or maybe he actually does provide the carbuncle, and it's like here it is. You, you never you never really see it, but you know, because putting it in the drawer feels like it's kind of like, oh, we're putting the you know putting the final. Exclamation point on that, and you know, it is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, because it does seem like he's he's just planning to keep it, which is weird. I don't remember uh, if the uh, story actually mentions how that. I I don't remember either. It probably does, but um, but if you yeah, if you presented the jewel and you said it was found in this goose, and you know, there's no way Horner could possibly have put in the goose. I mean, that would that would probably lead an efficient copper straight to Ryder. I mean, if you right. checked into the backgrounds of the staff at the hotel and you found out that one of them had a sister who raised geese, there you go. But, you know, who trusts this copper to do that? So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, we got anything else to say about this one? Or, uh... No, I'm I'm done. I I yeah, think it's a, it's a it's a Christmas tradition in 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 my home. I watch this every year. Nice, nice. I. I only wish there were more uh, wet burglars uh, showing up and uh, slipping on marbles. Uh, that would be the <laughs> only thing that would make it more Christmassy for me. Great Home Alone reference you just threw in there at a left field, Daniel. That you know has nothing to do with this this Sherlock Holmes episode yeah. we just reviewed. The, the the big problem with this story is that Holmes doesn't set up loads of elaborate booby traps. You know that that hit the uh, hit the burglar in the face. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what happens in Home Alone because I've never I, actually seen it. I, I, I agree, Jack. That, that I actually do agree. Yeah. Also, uh, they don't invade Nakatomi Plaza or have to deal with uh, gremlins. Those are the, that would be good. Problems. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes versus the Gremlins. I think that's a mashup. I'd no, I wouldn't actually. Actually, <laughs> actually, Sherlock Holmes and Die Hard. I would pay so <laughs> much money for that movie. I like that actually because you know Sherlock Holmes at the end he instead of like kicking instead Hans of, Gruber off a building he just browbeats him into submission kind of thing you know yeah, instead of killing people he's like I have discovered based on the fact that I you know like uh, he doesn't well, yeah, he, he's not even in the tower he just he figures it out all outside of the tower sitting there that's right yeah they call him in and he sort of looks at some scuffs on the on the grass outside and explains their entire plan oh they're after the bearer bonds so what you need to do is there's a man john mcclain in this tower you should listen to what he has to say and i'll I'll see you (laughs) guys later reginaldville johnson is sherlock holmes <laughs> and he's like, "There's this asshole on the inside of Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> the, there's a guy who's completely delusional, and he's trying to kill people. And like, you should totally put him in prison. Uh, he's not as bad as the actual terrorists, but also, like, I have solved this crime. Yeah, and the FBI will not listen to him because you know what? Um, the FBI doesn't listen to people who actually know things. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know personally." No personal axe to grind there. No. 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 
Uh, but yeah, we should move um, on. We should quit. We should be done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is our Christmas episode. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone listening, or whatever happy the fuck. Holidays. You, happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Whatever, whatever the fuck you yeah, celebrate. Yeah, no, sorry, I'm I'm a soldier in the war against Christmas. So yeah, happy holidays. Not yeah, Merry Christmas, you know, yeah. fuck Christmas or yay Christmas, whatever side you fall on. I don't give a shit. But yeah, this is our Christmas episode. Next episode is going to be our best and possibly worst of. List best for worst. 2019. Best, best or worst, yeah, sure. Yeah, know. yeah. Uh, we're gonna have guest Cameron Sullivan on there, uh, so that should be fun. And then the new year, <sighs> decade by decade, starting in the 1900s, and we're gonna move on. And uh, yeah. we're gonna do a century of movies next year. Yeah, maybe right. or half a century we'll or a quarter of a century. You're gonna you're gonna start the first five or six episodes are gonna be you reviewing those, you know, five minute long uh, flickering um films of like streets, you know, in Edwardian London, trams going by. Honestly, I would absolutely do that. I would absolutely do that. I I honestly <laughs> I wanna alienate the entire audience except for these super hardcore movie nerds. Like because like my whole thing with this podcast at this point is that other movie nerd podcasts send us messages messages going like I can't believe you guys get away with the things you get away with. <laughs> and like <laughs> if we did a whole year of like we're only gonna do films between nineteen hundred and nineteen twenty, no one would listen except for like six people who have a thousand times the audience that we do, and they would go, You're your gods. That would be the thing, you know. Well, you know, we we do kind of get that. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why, but like, we get away with the things we get away with because our audience is so fucking small. Because nobody cares. Because nobody cares. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) our audience Uh, cares. We we love you all. It's it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, You know, we'll we'll probably throw praises on you again in the next episode as we end out the year or whatever. If 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 capitalism was not a thing, and we could just do this uh, for a living. Uh, you know, it, yep. and all of us could do this for a living. Uh, yeah, you would have better uh, podcasts ultimately. So uh, overthrow capitalism, and you will see more podcasts like this one. That's, that's yeah, what Over, overthrow capitalism, and we can have an an entire economy based upon people doing movie podcasts, yeah. which would be fine. That would work. <laughs> it would definitely be a better way to occupy my time than fucking. Deal with the bullshit I deal with now. Yeah, no, uh, sorry, I'm sorry if I gave the impression I was joking. I'm absolutely serious. Oh, uh, I know you're serious. <laughs> I uh, love that this is like third in line, even even of my online activities of like, or even of my, you know, like I have a day job where I cure cancer, and then I have a second thing where I punch Nazis, and then this is like third on my list, and like this is still like more important than like, uh, you know, uh, anything, you know. Like uh, anything else, well, you do. Yeah. Well, this definitely shouldn't be more important than punching Nazis, but uh, that's a that's a whole different conversation for a different time. Um, well, Daniel, I like to think that in its own, you know, metaphorical way, that this is this this show does punch Nazis. Well, I mean, we definitely don't encourage them. So, no, you don't. No. Yeah. At least I hope not. Jesus Christ! If I learned we had a Nazi audience that were like liked our stuff, I'd be a little disillusioned. But uh, oh, well, no, the, the oh. Nazi audience are the people leaving the YouTube comments, obviously. So. Yeah. If we found out we had a Nazi audience, I would clear that out. 
in a minute. Like it's fine. Like good. One Nazi comment, and I will crush that in a second. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll make sure that doesn't happen. We're good. Yeah. Uh, so, Jack, tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, you can find me at Twitter on at underscore Jack underscore Graham underscore with links to everything I do, including my writing at Shibugan Graffiti, which is part of Everton Impress and my various podcasts over the years at Perks Lives and the podcast I'm currently doing with Daniel Harper called I Don't Speak German, which is at Libsyn. It's also at Apple Podcasts and now these days at Stitcher and SoundCloud. Wow. Hey, um, where we, yeah, that's the one where we punch Nazis. Yeah. Daniel, more on the Nazi punching. What do you do? Where do you, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. I do a podcast with this other guy, Jack Graham, uh, talking about the terrible things the Nazis say and uh, confronting that and mm. explaining it and laughing about it. And sometimes they decide I need to die. Um, and that's just the life I live. Uh, and then uh, they, they, they attack you and you fake your own death on the Reichenbach Falls. And... Yeah, no, well, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the way it works. It turns out that, uh, you know... <laughs> Well, as, I'm not as, even going to go there. As, as it turns out, there's no fucking Nazi out there who's even approaching Moriarty, even if they think no. they are. <laughs> no. they, they, they all think, think they, they are, but none yeah, of them. They, they all think they are, but it turns out they're complete dipshits. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all the, the guy in this one. They're all yeah, the pathetic little, all the, yeah. little yeah. pathetic shit who uh, had, had a woman uh, uh, seduce him into stealing a carbuncle and... Yeah, I don't know. Except that James Ryder in this clearly gets more action than any of them. So. Oh yeah, definitely. He he actually got to touch a woman. So yeah, you know, there's there's a big switch there. Um, That's right. And, and so so basically, Nazis poke me, and uh, you know think, oh no, I'm going to be the Joker to your Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it turns out that they're completely ridiculous. You know, for the most part. Well, the fact that they think you want to be Batman. That's... Yeah, which I don't want to be Batman, obviously. What's to be a white privileged psychopath? But they, they, they poke me and they think like, you know, I'm going to be the supervillain to your, to, to your hero. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're actually a dipshit and I don't care. Yeah, yeah that's, block. That's, Goodbye. You know, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so a yeah. Twitter, a Twitter profile with 21 followers who decides, like, you know, oh, look, I'm the big badass. I'm gonna like poke you and like give you pseudoscience and uh, colonialism as arguments. Yeah. And again, I, yeah, welcome like, to yeah, 1997. No. It, it, turns, it, it turns it turns out I've been on the internet for 20 years. So like, go fuck yourself. Don't yeah. don't you realize that it's a scientific fact that if people have larger heads, then they must be more intelligent. This is definitely current non disproved science. Well, my big fat Celtic head must mean I'm fucking brilliant right now. Jesus Christ. Yeah, me me too. I have a huge yeah. head. Like, I, love uh, that, I love that they call my beard soy strands. This is something that I've heard a few times. Because if I were hairless, they would make fun of me for being a cuck, uh, a soy boy cuck, for not having a beard. But the fact that I have an amazing beard, um, they they then uh, you know say, oh, the soy strands, soy strands. Clearly, that beard is made of soy. That's the that's the way that they respond. And if you're tired of punching Nazis and, you know, you have an amazing beard or not, you can listen to us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our Apple podcast, Facebook, and YouTube links. Join the Facebook group where you can tell us how awesome your beard is or is not and how many Nazis you punched. Or you can just talk to us about movies, one or the other. And we're going to be back with our end of the year show. 
And until then, uh, again, Jack, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I imagine we're going to have you on several times uh, next year. Uh, we're going to force you to come on because there's probably going to be a lot of interesting movies we need to uh, talk about. Uh, so there you go. Great. Yeah, I look forward to looking at um, Edwardian trams going past. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank, thanks for yeah. having me. Merry we'll, Christmas, everybody. We'll be Merry doing Christmas. that in July. You know, we'll, we'll yeah. be up to 1923 somewhere around the middle of the year. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get there. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you for the end of the year. Goodbye. Christmas Eve night I saw sleigh and reindeer in the light I snuck around the window to see Santa naked with my woman under the tree Shot that's
sleazy woman of mine and a few of his elves, a couple of his reindeer. I knew I had to do something, so I should. I shot back. He took two in the belly and one in the sack. It was bleeding and limping, crawling to a sleigh. I know it sounds mean, but I, but I couldn't let him get away. No, no, what he did to me. Slowly into the air, I pulled the trigger and saw a puff of white hair. A few bleeding elves cut loose the dead reindeer, threw a sheet over Santa slumped over in the sleigh, and Christmas would never be the same since that day. You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>